We're doing something just a little bit different today. You know, when we say church, we are not talking about a place uh, or or some sort of event, even ones that feel as good as that worship just felt. That's not what we're talking about. That is not the church. When we say church, we are talking about a group of people, a group of people whose lives are centered around two things, and that's gospel and community. That's gospel and community. And so we're always like, hey, man, y'all need to be in the community. Y'all need to be in community. Y'all need to be in community. Y'all need to be in community. But sometimes we walk away and it's like, yeah, I do this all the time. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm going to do that, John. And I walk away. I'm like, how the heck do I do what he just asked me to do? (laughs) And so as your leaders, we need to equip you in that area. And we want to make sure that we resource you the best. And here's the thing. Sometimes I tell my older twin daughters, I tell them to do something. And they're like, "Mm -hmm, all right. And then Miss Daphne will come around. Or Miss Kelsey, and they'll tell them the same thing, and they're like, yeah. <laughs> because sometimes there's voices in your life that you're like, hey, I'm, I'm hearing you for this, but I ain't really hearing you for that. And, and honestly, sometimes we're just not the best voices to present something. You know, here at Fellowship High Crest, when we say church, we like to say that church is not an event. Church is not a place, but church is a group of people whose lives center around gospel and community. And it's easy, like bro was saying, to say those things, and then it's like, what do I, what do I really mean? And one of my favorite verses in Scripture, and I, if, you, if you've spent any time around me in the Scriptures, you know I love the book of Genesis. And, I, and if you've been here and you've listened to messages, you know I often reference the book of Genesis because I believe it all goes back there. And, but one of my favorite Scriptures is in the first chapter where it says that God made man in his image and in his likeness. What it means is that God gave man not only the tools, but also the skills to reflect his glory in all of creation. And so often when you hear us talk about churches, this group of people whose lives center around gospel and community, it's easy to to say, now I have um, the image, I have the tools, I have the knowledge, but, but how do I get the skill to be able to live this out? And so often when we talk about community, it seems like this daunting thing because it's like, how do I add this on with everything else? How do I, how do I actually live these things out? How do I achieve these things? How, how does it really look? And you're, and you're trying to wonder through that. And so it's important that we dig into that a little bit. And as we go into it over this fall, we're going to be launching into um, this, this saturate series. And it's more than uh, this, this study. Um, and it's, it's by far one of the, my favorite things that I've ever led a group through. And, I, and because I was at a point where I was about through. I was like, I can't do this anymore, man. They keep asking more and more stuff. I can't do this anymore. I can't add another thing to my life. And I'm tired. So I got to figure out something different. I got to figure out a way that doesn't add on, but that integrates. And here, one of the first steps that we try to teach and what community looks like is we want everyone to be in a community group. What is a community group? See, one of the, one of the good stories around this that, that helps is this. Um, when I lived in Texas, um, one of my friends that's one of the most uh, talented photographers I know is a guy named Prentice James. And he's also an engineer. And Prentice, uh, when he had his first son, he named him Prentice Jr. PJ. 
and we all called him PJ. And then along the way, PJ grew up and, and the image and likeness of his father and um, Carla Prentice's uh, wife got pregnant again. And there was no one on the face of the planet who was more excited about Carla being pregnant than PJ. PJ was so excited the whole pregnancy. He would come around and be like, I'm having a little brother. I'm having a little brother. He was excited. But then Carla gave birth. And, and then PJ was like really disappointed. <laughs> and, and Prentice was like, hey, hey, buddy, like, uh, what's going on? Why are you so disappointed? He was like, he's too small. I can't play with him. He's too small. See, see, PJ thought that when his mom gave birth, that instantly he was going to have a playmate that was his same size and could do everything that he could do. And a lot of us, we get disenchanted with community because we join this community group. We say we're going to do this, and then it's not what we thought it was going to be right off. And see, community group is, is not the end what we want from you. It's the beginning. Just like we say baptism is not the end. It doesn't mean that you have it all together. It means that, like, hey, I'm just signifying this, this commitment I've made, this relationship I'm in. Community group is the same way. And at first, what you're doing is if you know, if you've ever led a community group, you know you face rejection over and over again because people find all kind of reasons to not show up on a weekly basis. Hey, I got a hangnail. Hey, my, my toenail polish got smeared today. Um, hey, um, a kid cried today. And, and so I'm not going to be a group. You know, you know, this is how it happens. It's real. But the problem is this, as a community group leader, as a pastor, as, as different things, so often we're expecting someone who is an infant to be a teenager. It's the real. And you know what? It's like when we do baptism, we say this signifies the death of the old and the birth of the new. So why do we think that people are going to instantly step in and know how to hold space for biblical community in their lives? It's not going to help. And the most helpful thing you can do as a parent of an infant to form attachment is to hold consistent space. That means I don't switch around times all the time. I'm going to say this is when we're going to meet and this is how regularly we're going to meet and how often we're going to meet. And I'm going to hold that space whether one person shows up or no one shows up or the whole group shows up. And I'm just going to continue, uh, uh, continuously, consistently be present and available for you because you need to know how that looks in the life of a believer. And so you might be thinking, can I lead a community group? Can you consistently and, 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 and persevere through rejection and hold space for other people? If you can do that, then you can lead a community group. And then you have to know that with, with infants comes infants' mess. They're going to spit up over you. You're going to have some blowout of some diapers. It's going to hit the fan in there. And you just got to know. And in this stage, what you're dealing with mainly is a want-to problem. You know that it's not a how-to problem, it's a want-to problem. But once a, a few people catch the vision, then that group normally takes its next step. And what's its next step? It's what you call a small group. And in this stage, it's a how-to phase. And in this stage, people start to realize that, you know what? We can actually get together outside of planned group times. What? We can have coffee or lunch together. We, we ain't got to have a scheduled uh, group time for us to see each other. It ain't just Sunday morning. It ain't just a Wednesday night, but we can actually get together and that's okay. And you know what? Most people have never thought of that church takes on that kind of identity. 
And so you start to teach them, man, we're just going to get together and have fun. We're just going to have a regular time of celebrating. We're just going to have that. And you're still in this kind of quasi-party thrower mode. See, in the previous step, people just wanted somebody to have connection with. They didn't know anybody, and now they just have people that they'll even text um, memes to and sports things about. And that's pretty much where you're at. And in this phase, they're starting to do a little bit more life together. Maybe they got together for dinner or whatever, and you're just wanting them to see that. And your group normally starts to take that next step once they see the leader of that group live out the discipleship rhythms in all of life. That's just what they're trying to get during that time. They just need to see how this thing can actually look when it's not an add-on, but it's integrated. And that's when the group starts to take it. When you start inviting them along saying, hey, I'm going to visit this person in the hospital. Hey, I'm going to invite somebody um, from my job over to my house. And I just want your family to come along. You, you don't even have to bring anything. You can just be here. I want you to see how this looks. Hey, I'm going out to lunch with somebody from the neighborhood or my, one of my neighbors is coming over. I just want you to see this. And that's when the group normally takes its next step. And then from there, you start to tap into being a team of missionaries. And your lives start to overlap. You start to notice where you start spending all this time together and you like really don't see the boundaries like you used to. Remember, it used to be just, hey, I'm going to go to church on Sunday morning. I really don't want anybody to talk to me. I'm going to get to the parking lot as fast as I can get out of here. And then you took the chance of joining a community group and said, okay, I'm going to go to church on Sunday mornings, and then I'm still going to get out of here as fast as I can, and then I'll see you on Wednesday night, and I still don't want you to talk to me. <laughs> don't call me. Don't show up in my house without announcing yourself or calling before you come over. And even if you call before you come over, I might get in the car and leave before you get there. <laughs> But in this phase, you start to see your life overlap. You start to say, you know what? I'm going to come over here and they're going to see me holler at my kids. They're going to see my house not totally put together. Things are not totally where it's at. I got unfinished projects. That's all right. But they know the real me now. And you know what? In this phase, it's that awkwardness phase where your voice is kind of changing and maybe you're starting to teach them how to share the gospel in their group and you're starting to teach them how to share their testimony and what God has done in their life, but they still don't feel totally comfortable doing it. They still don't feel really comfortable sharing about God at work because they don't know what the people on their job are going to say about them after they bring up God for real. They don't know about all those friends that don't really know that they made this change in their life. And maybe they haven't been partying quite as much as they used to, but they still party. They still get it on. And, and it's like, man, I don't know how this is going to change all the dynamics because here's the deal. I just met you. All those people have been riding with me for all these years. And so it feels really awkward now to bring up this God thing when all those people know all the crazy stuff I've done all this time. And so I need to know how to do it. And so it's when a, a couple of group members, they start to step out and they say, you know what? I took a chance. And I start talking about what God has been doing in my life. And one of my unchurched friends who was going through something decided they were going to follow God. And they tell it to the group and they say, what? That stuff actually works? <laughs> you mean... The gospel really does have power? Oh, wow. Maybe I should try that. But they get rejected, and, they, and, you, and it's this awkwardness phase where, you know, it's kind of like, um, I, I can kind of do this. I kind of know how to do this, but it's real clunky. They get over, you know, um, adventurous, and they really don't know. They say some things that are jacked up, and they have to go back and apologize to folks. That's the stage where you're in at this point. 
And then you get to the point where you become a missionary team. And man, now you're cooking with gas. You're making disciples. You actually see someone who didn't know the gospel start spending time with your group, step across the line of faith, learn how to study the word of God for themselves. Because when you're in those earlier stages, right, when you're in a community group phase, you always need a curriculum. Your biggest question is what curriculum are we going to do next? When you get to this phase, God's word is enough. You say, we can dig into God's word. We don't have to have a curriculum that somebody else gives us. And, and we know how to study God's word. We're not to eat from God's word ourselves. We don't have to have somebody chew it up and then put it in our mouths like a baby bird. And, and, and then here's what you start to realize. This is going to require a lot more sacrifice than I ever thought. And my life can't stay the same. I have to make a decision. I'm at a decision point. And then you start talking about how we're going to become a part of different groups to repeat this process and take others through it. See, that's what we want for you. Because then what you start to see is this. What are our expectations? What do we um, expect to see? Here at, at Fellowship High Crest, we, we want at any time about 40% of our groups to be in that community group phase because we always want to have new groups available for people to join at that infant stage. And if we're growing and if we're making disciples, then we're always going to have it to where people can step into community. About 20% of the people being in that small group phase where they're learning how to share the gospel, where they're learning how it looks to incorporate these rhythms into everyday life. And then about 20% of the people being a missionary team. And here's the deal. We started this pilot this summer that we're going to roll out through to saturate. Where we took a certain percentage of what a, a, a community group gives to God through Fellowship High Crest. And we said, we're going to take a percent of that and we give it back to the community group to go be missional in their lives. So we've been practicing this, seeing how it works out. What that means is as a staff and as elders, we have less money to spend on the things we normally spend with because we want to make sure that you have the tools to actually go be missionaries into the world. And so what we've seen is we've seen a community group that heard of a story of a lady who didn't have a refrigerator and she was just using a cooler to store her food. That's all she had. And that's all she could use was convenience food. And they said, because we have been obedient to the scriptures and been sacrificially generous, we're not calling the church. We are the church. And what they did is they took that percentage that was given back to them. They went and purchased a refrigerator. They got a trailer that they borrowed from somebody else in community to, to deliver that refrigerator. And now that woman has a refrigerator in her house and they can say it's because God loves you. That's what we want to empower each and every one of you to do. That lady doesn't attend here. They're attached to it through the community. She might not ever really sit in one of these seats, but that's when it becomes a part of your everyday life. Now, there's gonna be 10% that just never respond. That's gonna happen. But what does it start to look like? Well, if you stay a community group, 
you might see one disciple get made every 10 years. If you can start to get new eyes and see new ways of doing community, then you might see a disciple made every three years in a small group. If you take that step and really catch it and allow yourself to be awkward, you might see a disciple getting made once a year. But man, when you become a missionary team, you might see one or two disciples, people, I mean, far away from God, beginning to know God and making steps in their life to follow God. See, we can, we can talk about different things and, and, and put different things out there, but until we're making disciples, we're just throwing events. We're throwing services and holding community events. But here's the deal, it takes time. God is calling all of us to be in community. And I'm telling you, there's some people sitting in this seat that you've been comfortable that God is saying, you need to be leading a community group. You can use that paper form. You can sign up through the app. You can sign up out in the hallway right after this. There's a computer set up for you to sign up. And you can say, I'm, I'm going to get into Saturate. The books cost $10, but if you need a scholarship, we can help you with that too. We've never let money be a barrier. But some of you need to really consider, is God calling me to hold space for someone else? They consistently love them so they know what the love of God looks like. It takes time. It takes patience. You have to persevere and you're going to have to be willing to get some sheep stuff on you if you're going to shepherd people. Here's the question, though. Who are the group of people that God has given you and what is their next step? Because in it, see, think about this. When Jesus called those 12 men, he said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Why did he use that analogy? Because they were already fishermen. And he said, I'm going to use your shape. I'm going to use your image and likeness. And I'm just going to redirect it and give it a greater purpose. God wants to use the things that you already do to make an impact for his kingdom. How does that look? Well, it looks like this. Last week we had five baptisms. I first met SJ through Braille out in the community. Then I invited SJ and Miranda to go to Trisha's 40th birthday party that I threw. Kendra made some mean sangria. I invited them over for dinner and we connected some more and then they, they started coming. SJ introduced me to Connor. Me and Connor chatted online on Facebook. I know it's evil, but we chatted online and, and Facebook and stuff. And I know you probably calling me a Marxist or something like that because I use social media, but it's cool. And then we kept talking more. Then he said, hey man, can I call you? I got some things to talk about. We talked about them and it was no pressure. And then we started meeting for lunch regular. And I said, I'm gonna, hey, I eat 21 times at least a week. So I can just use those times to be missional. I don't have to create other times. If you try to get on my calendar, you know I schedule a lot of them around food. That's time that I have already. 
we start meeting and, and then Connor took this step. And then as Connor started making steps, he started telling Ryan and Mary about the steps he was taking. They like, I want to check that out too. And then when they start making those steps, Dean and Braille help connect them in community. And they're on, they're on the tech team. That's that threefold evangelism, that group evangelism, that, that three-strand evangelism that we talked about where you might not be a part of every piece of the evangelistic chain, but when you do it in community, it looks different and it makes you not have to be the hero. And it's something that can happen in the normal floor of your life, but you can't do that if you're not connected with community. You can't live that life. We want to see your life saturated with the rhythms of God so that together we can go and saturate the world we live in. Take your next step today. Don't wait. Sign up today. Let's get it going.